Well, howdy, folks. I'm uh, just driving down the road again, kind of in a reminiscent mood. And uh, we got a ton of rain last night in a short amount of time. There's water everywhere here in, in the 940. Uh, I heard that there was uh, some tornadoes that went down through there. Uh, Decatur, Stephenville, heading up to Oklahoma. Hopefully everybody's all right. But but yeah, we got we got probably an inch of rain in a couple of hours, and uh, looks beautiful. Wheat's popping up. We're getting one of them good, good wet Texas winters up here, uh, North Texas. And I was, I was just reminiscing a little bit when I was on down the road and I was thinking about some of the wonderful things that I've experienced. And, and uh, i kind of been, uh, again, reminiscing about uh, some of the pack trips and, and things that I've been on and seen. I remember one time I was leading a pack string and, and I was heading up out of the North Fork Meadows so you go to Turpin Meadows uh, up outside of Jackson Hole there and they're heading up into the Hawks Rest and like say it's 30 miles 40 35 40 miles into into the camp that I was heading into or where we were going to pitch you know our tent and, and uh, anyways I was alone and I was I was leading a pack string and and uh, got up there to the to the upper end of the North Fork Meadows and and uh, there was a creek that was running by this trail and a bunch of willows and stuff around and anyways I was, I was riding a Dunn Gildan come off the Pitzer Ranch and uh, leading a pack string and and uh, anyways a Sal Grizzly Bear was right there in the creek and, and she uh, kind of startled her she started to stand up and then just whirled and run and had a cub with her and, and it scared the holy living shit out of my horse and and he just bogs his head and goes to bucking and uh he snorted and he was kind of a bronc anyways which is one of the reasons i was, and he could walk that horse could really walk he could swing them eight foot splits and i mean that that horse could walk you know i don't even know but i'll bet you he could walk a good six seven miles an hour maybe i mean he could really travel and uh <clears throat> you know as i i dropped my pack string and i didn't know where the bear was headed my dog went to barking and and i went to pulling for leather i was just trying to stay on top of this horse i was very 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 inspired right then to stay on that horse because i didn't want to get bucked off and ate by a bear and, uh, and he bucked for a while. I dropped my pack string, and, and uh, they they actually just kind of they kind of trotted off, but they just stayed on the trail. My pack string didn't kind of headed on up. And I, and I was anyways. I got this old Dunny to quit bucking, and he's a Red River Dun colored horse. And, and uh, anyways, I I got him to quit bucking, and of course I was looking around, and and the only gun that I had on me was was a pistol a 357 pistol which ain't much of a pistol uh i mean yeah it's it's probably a little better than a 22 or something but uh it it, it ain't it ain't nothing kind of my preferred pistol of choice was the 
was the 45. Uh, and then, and then of course I, the, 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 the bear gun that I like is a lever action Henry 4570. Um, you know, my dad, uh, he had a Mossberg 12 gauge pump with a pistol grip sawed off barrel and instead of buckshot in it he'd have 450 grain slugs that that went in into that into that gun and and, and i'll guarantee you whatever you shot with that was stopped in its tracks now you kill an elephant or a lion or a bear or whatever whatever you shot with that it was stopping but all I had on me was my 357 pistol, which was better than nothing, but still it wasn't much of a gun, really. Uh, I'll tell you a funny story about that gun. So something, there was a, the, the rotating mechanism that was kind of broken in that gun. So you had to fire a shot and then manually turn the cylinder to the next, you know, if you see a six shooter in your mind's eye, then you could shoot it again. But it wouldn't just rotate that cylinder as you cocked the hammer. And uh, I'm kind of detouring here, but I'll just tell you this about 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 this. So one time I needed some money. I was heading to to a big horse show and to the Snaffle with Turdy and Reno, and kind of needed some money and was kind of anyways probably shouldn't even have been going to that horse show other than I was chasing a dream and thought I'll get rid of some things that aren't necessary so I sold a few guns that I really didn't need and that that 357 pistol was one of them and my father-in-law bought it from me and uh he told me I'll just put it in my gun safe and if you it was given to me by my dad and it really had no sentimental value my dad didn't really like it either my dad had purchased it I think from his brother Brad anyways that gun really didn't mean anything to my dad and he gave it to me and it's kind of a piece of crap, so I, I not to be condescending toward my father or nothing, but it really didn't mean nothing to me. So I, I, I was gonna sell it. My father-in-law gave me two hundred bucks for it. So if you ever want it back, I'll just keep it. Well, after my father-in-law passed away last spring, uh, he had a lot of guns and a great big gun safe, and he had a few guns that were kind of set aside course one of them was was uh, the 357 that he had got uh from me was gone i think he just got rid of it and he had replaced it with a brand new ruger six inch barrel 357 pistol a brand new gun never been fired and it was for me so it meant a lot to me um that he would do that uh another pistol that he had brand new had instructions it was to be given to my wife it was a ruger bearcat 22 pistol and uh it was a very very beautiful gun with a lot of engraving on it and everything and and uh he had one just like and he had bought one for my wife and that was also to go to her after after he passed away he left some notes and and whatnot or some instructions anyway so so that's the deal but anyways uh 
I was on my toes after that, though. After back to the back to the pack trip story, I was on my toes after that. Every tree that looked funny, I thought was a bear. Everything, every time a branch wiggled, I thought it was a bear. Every time, you know, you you, you get you get uh, what they call bear aware. So that was. Uh, but I loved I loved pack tripping into there. You know, Doug Broadhead and uh, his his kids went in there the first time with them and my dad and my brother, and uh, went in there a lot of times after that. Really enjoyed that country. I uh, loved staking my horses out, or I'd, I'd actually just hobble them. And a lot of times I wouldn't even have enough hobbles, so I would. I would take their lead rope and I would tie it to their front foot with about three foot of 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 slack between the the halter and the and the front foot. So the horse really couldn't pick his foot up as long as he had his head down grazing. He could kind of hobble along, but uh, that way he couldn't just run off. You know, I know a lot of people might look at it and say oh you're crazy that's a good way to cause a wreck but and if they want to throw a fit let them throw a fit and then they'll figure out where the soft spot is and they'll find that middle ground and trust me it'll make a better horse of them and uh so it was kind of kind of fun to to ride in somewhere and, and just lay around a campfire and go fishing every day and and you know do a little bit of exploring and and uh, when I was a little kid, my dad showed me how to make an Indian whistle out of a willow stick. So that was fun for me. I would make willows whistles, and you know, you'd cook your cook your fish over an open fire. And, and uh, of course, we'd take a lot of groceries in on the pack trips as well. So we'd eat good Dutch oven cooking. It just really unwinds your life. You know, it just really, really. Uh, unravels everything and uh, you get a chance to think about what's important uninterrupted um, you know you, you get to see God's handiwork in the most purest and beautiful form and uh, there's elk grazing in the meadows everywhere and, and uh, there's, there's great big mule deer bucks and, and you know all sorts of beautiful things. Of course, no chainsaws or anything. It's in the designated wilderness, okay? So you can't drive in there. Or you can't put a get on a four-wheeler and just haul ass in there or whatever, which I don't agree with. Uh, you got to either walk or ride a horse. You know, any firewood that you have, you're going to gather it up. You're going to cut it with an axe or a, or a, or a hand saw and uh it's fun you know to be right honest with you it's just fun i mean you're you're not really gonna accomplish anything you're not really gonna make a lot of money uh we like to take a lot of pictures you know and uh you're not really gonna you know it's gonna take some dedication on your part to prepare for a trip like that but but uh, it it is it's fun it's just fun just to go in there and do nothing. There's really no real purpose. It's not like a hunting trip where you're where you're gonna get up at 4 a.m. and saddle your horse in the dark and try to get up somewhere on the top of a ridge or in a saddle to catch some big game or something. It's it's not like that. A pack trip's just something different. 
It's just a way to unwind. You know. No radio. No telephone. Don't worry about waiting in line to get gas or what kind of candy bar to buy so you can drive around and unwind. It's not like a road trip. It's a pack trip. And uh, I did a lot of that when I was a kid. You know, when I was a little kid, uh, I, I built a camp up in a canyon above above the house there, above where I grew up, my mom and dad's house. So we lived right on the north edge of town in Montpelier, Idaho. And, and uh, I, built a, I, bu- I built a little camp up there in one of them canyons. And uh, one of them draws up in the top of it. And I had plenty of firewood chopped and stacked around. I even built a little horse corral that was probably, I don't know, 15 by 15 or something, just cut down some old dead trees with a, actually with a hatchet. It was all I had. And I mean, when you're 12 years old, I'd ride my horse up there. And I spent the night up there a couple times. A lot of times I'd just ride up there and hang out for a few hours you know, I'd usually throw something in my saddlebags. I remember I had a little little frying pan, a little black one, and it was a little probably six, seven inch round pan. I don't even know if it was eight inches. It's probably six inch frying pan. I'd actually found it uh, in the old in the old tack shed there at my at my mom and dad's where I grew up. It probably belonged to my grandfather or my great-grandfather. I don't know, but I found it in there and I took it in the house. It was covered in dirt and everything and cobwebs and I took it in the house and I cleaned it up and I used to slip that little tiny frying pan on my saddlebags. I'd usually throw a package of hamburger or something in there and ride up on the mountain and just enjoy it. That's how I grew up. You know, I could ride up to that that spot in about two hours where I had my own little camp. And then I had another camp set up along the canal bank by a a little piece of pasture that my dad had uh, right there that was only about a quarter or half a mile, I guess, from the house. I had another little camp set up there and and we built a a little lean-to out of branches and sticks and twigs and whatnot and uh spent a lot of time in 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 the great outdoors that's how that was my childhood you know fishing and hunting and cowboying and and, uh it was it was good times you know made good horses you know i used to used to ride every day and uh and and i'd just disappear you know, and I don't think my mother was real big on it. Uh, she really didn't have a lot of love or respect for the Western way of life. Not to degrade my mom in any way, but she just didn't. And uh, my dad, you know, he was always working, and so it was. It was he was kind of a goal-driven, business-oriented man. So I just kind of was was just me. You know, my brothers they didn't ride as much as I did. They would occasionally with me, but not every day like I wanted to. And that's that's all I held. There was a time I wanted to be. I'll, I'll tell you a little story. I wanted to be a mountain man or something, you know. So when I was when I was in the third grade, uh, my dad had been 
on my dad liked to ride a snowmobile quite a little in the winter time so my dad uh, he he told me of a uh, he he told me of a mountain lion track that he had seen and uh, anyways he he told me this mountain lion track that he had seen so uh, right out or out of town he cut some tracks on a lion and there was you know there was a lot of mountain lions around there and by golly I wanted to kill that mountain lion and I was eight years old okay now keep in mind this is the winter of like 88 and 89 so my grandpa my great grandfather Elgin Bridges he died on December 23rd of 1988 I'll never forget that day my my dad uh he came into my bedroom early that morning at like 6.30 that morning and he told me that my grandpa Elgin had just passed away. That's the earliest memory I have of anybody dying. And uh, so I, I, uh, it was kind of, kind of sentimental to me. And uh, then my dad took off and he was heading down to the river with my mom's dad to uh, gather some cows and, and move them move them up because it had snowed quite a little and they were getting ready to just move them into a closer pasture to be fed for the winter. And uh, so anyways, that winter of 88, 89, I turned nine years old in April of, of 89, but that winter I was eight years old and I heard about this mountain lion and, and of course after school the first thing I did was I grabbed my bow and arrow and I'm talking like a recurve bow and field tip wooden arrows and I took off and I was trudging through two feet of snow and I took off there above town looking for them mountain lion tracks because I was going to track this lion down and kill him and of course if a lion would have seen a little tiny kid and decided he was going to chase him down and eat him in that snow he, he damn sure could have and uh, I had a little white dog that followed me everywhere I went. And here it goes, me and that little white dog. And I, and I did have one of those plastic sleighs with a piece of bell twine through the front of it. And I put my bow and arrow in it and I trudged along through the snow looking for this lion track so I could track him down. And, and I had this idea in my head that I was going to track down this lion and get him in a tree and shoot him. And then I was going to put him in that plastic sleigh and tug him back to town and be the great mountain lion slayer of course it went on and on and on and got dark because it was winter and got dark pretty early and probably around the first part of january or something and you know maybe about eight o'clock at night i uh, decided it was time to go home of course i didn't realize that maybe i'd put my parents into a frenzy and worried the hell out of them because i i never told anybody where i was going and I got just about back to the edge of town, and I'd probably walked a couple, three miles. Finally decided, well, crap, I ain't going to find him, and it was starting to snow pretty good again. And, and here come my dad in his, in his uh, old Ford pickup truck. And, and he, he saw me. Everybody had been out starting to look for me when they realized I wasn't there. And I got the pretty damn good ass chewing over that deal. Of course, I didn't care, but uh, it was 
that's just kind of how I grew up. I just always kind of liked the outdoors. I'm not necessarily uncomfortable in big crowds of people. I mean, I, I don't like it, but it doesn't make me so son of a bitch and nervous that, you know, I'm, I'm not like one of those types. I just get irritable. I just don't like it. I just don't like tons of people around. Um, I like my privacy. I do not want to have any neighbors. I don't, I don't like that. I don't like stepping outside and seeing a neighbor and feeling obligated to wave or say hi. Or I like to pee off the front porch. I mean, I, I, just, I just like being way out. And so that's where I live. That's what I do. And uh, I like being able to shoot guns at my house there. I like being able to do what I want. You know, I don't. I don't want the neighbor's dog running over to my place. I don't want my dog running over to the neighbor's place. I just, I just don't want to be bothered, and so that's why I live out where I do. You know, and uh, I just thought I'd share some nice experiences, thoughts, feelings with you, whatever. You know, I, I, I. Uh, again, most of these podcasts that I do are kind of somebody else asked me hey do a podcast on this or what do you think about that or whatever and I'll say all right but but uh this isn't due to any of that this is this is just things I was thinking about this morning the beautiful country that I grew up in I mean at over 6,000 feet elevation uh, winters are long cold hard you know you bury your water line six foot deep or they'll freeze you you uh, you learn just, you know, like Bear Lake County doesn't have a bare road policy. So for those roads to be snow-packed and icy and, and covered, yeah, the snow plows will hit them, but they don't necessarily have to keep them bare. So for those roads to be snow-packed all winter long and kind of iced over is, is fine and that and you will or you learn to drive on them and you'll learn to drive safely and you'll learn that your brakes don't mean a damn thing so don't use them and don't drive too fast and the second you decide to get somewhere in a hurry is the second you realize that you're not going to get nowhere fast makes you patient my family would laugh their ass off at that because i'm not very patient but but you do learn there's a time to hustle and a time to not and uh and that's that's kind of how i grew up so our horses were not stalled we didn't grow up really stalling horses we kept them outside and you know what them horses always were fine we let them grow lots of hair we didn't blanket the hell out of them all winter you know Uh, a horse is actually designed because god's smarter than man is they lived for thousands and thousands of years before we got involved horses designed to grow hair and the way it is all of his hair will grow and curl up and and it'll form pockets of warmth down in that hair that will keep him warm and and when we blanket them it smashes that hair down and takes those that fluffiness away and so I've, I've seen horses like we had a, a long a loafing shed that them horses could walk under and get out of the snow and the moisture and whatnot if they wanted to and they were rarely under it the majority of the time they always just stood out there when it was snowing they didn't care so you know uh, just because you're cold doesn't mean your animals are 
but there again I mean just simple things alive you know like I say I I used to love to build a campfire when when I, I was a kid in 1991 uh, we had an old granary what we called the granary it was just an old shed that we started grain in and I mean my grandpa would store several tons of oats in there and feed and whatnot and it was in big wooden bins basically just boards stacked one on top of the other and uh, you, you put that grain in a five gallon bucket with a with a big old metal scoop or a flat nose shovel and grain in the stock and and uh, we had all these old burlap sacks all these old gunny sacks these old burlap sacks that the grain had come in from Walton Feed over the years in Montpelier Milling and uh, we we so I, I I actually took some fence poles lodge pole pines and I and I uh, did them together at the top and stood them up and made a teepee and I covered that I made that teepee out of all them old burlaps I played Indian yawn we used to make bows and arrows and and uh, my friends Jensen Dustin Skinner played a lot with me and and we would pretend like we was Indians and as a matter of fact, me and Jensen Dustin, we even made us some loin claws out of those burlap sacks. And we'd take all of our clothes off and be naked as a jaybird. And, and uh, we'd, we'd made a loin cloth out of a bell twine and a burlap sack. So we looked like Indians. What we failed to realize was how some bitchin' itchy that burlap sack was. It was itchy now <laughs> and in the wrong spots. <laughs> and we'd ride our horses with no underwear on with them loincloths on. And of course that horse hair poke you right there in your butt and in your nuts. And, and it was itchy. I mean just kids being kids. We'd make bows and arrows out of willows and baling twines and and uh we tried making arrowheads. Of course, that didn't work. But uh, we had good times. Really, really, really good times. And uh, such, there is such joy and simplicity. With the holidays coming up, I'm going to tell you all something. It's nice to be able to give gifts. It's nice to be able to do good things for people. Don't ever forget how simple the first Christmas was. And don't ever think that you will buy them happiness. Your children will not become better people the more stuff you buy them. You know, we, I kind of look at Christmas time as an, as, as an excuse to give them something they need. It's winter time, so a new pair of gloves is always nice. Maybe a few pairs of wool socks, a new scarf, a uh, wild rag as the, some people in the cowboy culture want to call it. Uh, you know, a new coat, new clothes. Uh, I'm not real big on the shower room with toys thing because usually you can spend a crap load of money and and they will not really do much with it. Books are a wonderful thing. I'm telling you right now, if you want to declutter your life, meaning what's going on in your noggin, I think, just my opinion, there's nothing more gratifying than a cup of hot chocolate or a cup of coffee or whatever it is, hot apple cider. Uh, a nice fire, a warm blanket, and a good old book. 
you know, tear into something that, that and let it entertain you and, and make your brain work. And yet it'll relax you. You can learn something. I mean, the, the most common denominator that that all of the uh, the most common denominator that all the millionaires have, they have found it, is that the majority of all millionaires were avid readers. Knowledge is is wonderful. And my mama told me that that knowledge is, is about one of the only things we're going to take to the other side. I mean, you can't take your money, your car, your house, your truck, your horse, your cows. I think the horses and cows will be waiting for us. But uh, your, your relationships and your knowledge are the two things you're going to exit this world with. And so, you know, knowledge is, knowledge is wonderful. And we gain knowledge by reading. Okay, so, you know, my whole point to a lot of this, these reminiscent podcasts here is, is, uh, just to let everybody know that there's, you know, like we have a fire pit in our backyard and, and, uh, every now and then we'll have a little cookout for dinner and we'll cook on a Dutch oven or we'll cook hot dogs and marshmallows and just have a simple meal. And we'll, you know, you can sit there and you can poke at that fire and you can stare into those embers and those flames and smoke and and you can, it just is so soothing to me. And, uh, you know, I think that, that if you don't have a wood-burning stove in your house, you should get one. If the power ever goes out, you're not going to freeze to death. And, and, uh, or is there a lot of work involved? Yes. Are they dirty? Yes. Do they, are they hard to keep clean? Yeah. But hey, nobody ever drowned in their own sweat. And then, you know, we I love cutting firewood. I love running a chainsaw. I love I love cutting wood, stacking wood. I like splitting it with an axe. It takes your troubles away. It just lets you focus on the here and now. I think that that uh, you, know, you can tell a lot about a person too when you shake somebody's hand. You can tell a lot about a person, and you can feel those calluses, or you can feel the softness of a man's hand. You know, usually, soft hands are troubled minds, and calloused hands are minds at ease. So I can tell a lot about somebody when I shake their hand, and I admire a working man hardworking man anyways I'm going to leave y'all with that uh, I had to run down here to Archer City to the bank I got to do some banking so just thought I'd thought I'd give you a few thoughts anyways this is Scott Hume from somewhere on the plains of Texas God bless y'all have a good one it's December the 13th 2022 and uh Christmas for me and my family is going to be a little different this year. We're very grateful. So, have a good one, folks.